Welcome to the Dare to Care podcast, brought to you by HR Culture. And now here's your host, Susan Judd. Welcome everyone. I'm Susan Judd and this is the Dare to Care podcast. If this isn't your first episode listening, you may already know that this season I'm interviewing women in leadership and gaining their perspectives on their experiences in the workplace and what they believe are the key skills for success that will assist our Generation Zs, and in particular, our young women, to transition and bring value to our workplaces. For many years, I have worked with employers and leaders in business to enhance and amplify their leadership skills, to build more effective and productive workplaces through improved communications, human connection and courage. During this time, it became apparent that we needed to really invest in helping our youth, our current generation Zs, to better transition from school to work or from university to work by developing their work readiness skills to really provide them with the opportunity to reach their potential, including an area I'm really passionate about, emotional intelligence. Why? Why am I passionate? Because emotional intelligence is all about how we effectively and intelligently interpret our negative emotions or feelings, feelings like stress, frustration, disappointment, etc., to enhance how we make decisions, how we behave in the workplace and in our personal lives, and how ultimately we perform. Leadership is not only about the strategic, tactical and operational aspects of planning, organising and managing people and operations, but so much of leadership is about how we make people feel, our team, our colleagues, our customers, how they experience us and how that then inspires and influences all of those people to in turn be more considered and courageous in their own behaviour in their own decision-making and in their own performance. And so, as I have mentioned before, this is the ultimate purpose of the Dare to Care podcast, to provide information, advice and perspective on how we can all work just a little bit more effectively, taking into account the perspectives of other people towards a future that is enhanced through emotional intelligence and for employers creating environments that engage and help our younger workers reach their potential under your guidance and perhaps provide some important and broad insights for our younger workers, our Generation Zs or perhaps our young Generation Ys to assist them to navigate the workplace with communication, courage and care for themselves and for others. Today, as always, I will be asking my guests the same five questions as I have my previous guests, drawing out the best of what our ladies in leadership have to offer. We will be asking our female guests in each episode this season about the challenges they've experienced in the workplace, about their most memorable moments from the workplace and what they have learned about employer expectations at work and how they have managed those expectations. We're also going to be asking them about what they see as the critical skills that are needed for the future of work. And we're also going to be asking them about their best advice, 
so that they get offering up their, 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 their best learnings, their best advice for other young people and in particular young women entering the workplace. So I'm very pleased to have with me today a young lady by the name of Sinead Connolly, the founder and director of Lotus People. Sinead is originally from Ireland. She arrived in Sydney in 2010 and with a business degree in her hand and only six months work experience under her belt, she started working in recruitment. When Sinead was 26, with four years recruitment experience, she and her friend and colleague saw an opportunity to market to, 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 to the market to start a forward-thinking, people-first recruitment agency that demonstrated a sincere focus on treating people really well. Sinead uses her experience within the industry and her passion for people to run Lotus and to create a supportive, collaborative and hard-working team culture. And we know, because we've discovered it on previous episodes, that our young Gen Zs and our, Gen, and our young Gen Ys have told us that culture is king. Lotus People's culture has subsequently won the business a whole host of awards, including two years running on Australian Financial Review's Fast Starters list. Sinead was also a winner of a Young Entrepreneurial Award in 2017 and is a leader who's focused on balance and culture. So without further ado, I'm going to invite Sinead Connolly into our recording studio so that we can get started asking her our questions for this episode. So hi Sinead and welcome to the show. Hello, it's fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me. So happy and so delighted to have you. And listeners, I just want to say you're going to love Sinead because she's she's Irish and she's got that beautiful building voice. You're going to want to listen to her over and over again. Um, and so before we get started asking you our five questions, um, can I ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Absolutely. And on that note, some people may need to listen to it at half speed, given that my lilting tones can speed up quite rapidly. <laughs> um, so no, fabulous to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so yes, as you said, my name is Sinead Connolly. Um, I am Irish, as you can probably tell from the accent. But um, yeah, I have been out here for 10 years. So 10 years in Sydney now. Um, I've always worked in the recruitment industry, so I fell into it, as many people do when I first landed here. Um, it's the only kind of career and job I've had other than a, a short stint on a potato farm in Victoria because they uh, needed us to do it for the visa. <laughs> wow. Um, there you go. Um, Have you potato farmed before? Because isn't Ireland known for their potatoes? Look, I grew up in the city. If I, if I were claiming that I knew anything about potato farming, it would be absolute lies. <laughs> um, so, so I decided to start um, my business five years ago, which would have been five years or so into my recruitment career. My best friend and I, we just had this incredible, and we, we still do, we have this incredible dynamic um, and we kind of egged each other on and thought, let's just do this. We have a vision for a recruitment agency that is so focused on people, so focused on the care factor and we felt like our industry which I think we've really caught up on it now but our industry needed some disruption so we sought investment and had partnered and have partnered with another 
recruitment agency called Sustainability Consulting, who are also Sydney-based. They are now my shareholders. Um, look, my co-founder left after about a year. We're still best friends, um, but I have been running the business on my own since then. So I have an amazing team of 10. We're in Clarence Street. We recruit business support and HR roles, um, but we service all of Australia, but predominantly Sydney-based. Mm, cool. Because when you were telling that story, I was going to say, how did you afford that? It's, it costs money to start business and start a business and, and a recruiting business at that. So Absolutely. interesting to get that perspective of you sought investment. Absolutely. And it was a really conscious decision because we could have, many people do kind of a back bedroom job of setting up with very low overheads. You don't need to have high overheads to set up a recruitment business. But from our perspective, we instantly wanted to have a very professional setup. We knew we wanted to have a temp and contracting book. So in order to do that, we had to have a very competent head of finance, finance person. Um, we had to have very strong cash flow. And inevitably, when you start out, you don't have any of the guarantees um, and you don't have that. So it was a very um, considered decision and it was absolutely the best decision. It worked out so well and we've leveraged a lot from them. Um, but also just the working relationship is so strong that it's, um, yeah, it's been a really positive thing. Great. It sounds like you've had then, you know, that's only five years. You've had, you would have had significant growth then in that period. Is that right? Yeah, yeah we're look, going off tap already. We're going no, off tap. <laughs> I am. I'm always able to digress. So that's not an issue. Um, look, we, we've grown, I've grown the team to 10. My goal and vision for the business is to have a boutique agency that kind of has very high touch I don't want to be the next kind of Hayes or any one of these huge global agencies um, but in that time we've been able to achieve a lot we've kind of been up for a large number of awards we've um, won a lot of awards um, we've had a lot of recognition and we would be seen as one of the leaders in our space in recruitment in Sydney so it has been an amazing journey and we've really built and I've really built a, an amazing brand um, but in terms of size I think people are often surprised that we're punching higher than the size of that we are at about 10 people. Yeah awesome excellent so I am so excited to ask you these five questions um, so let's let's get started and ask you position your first question which is what are some of the challenges that you've experienced in the workplace? Yeah, so look, I think with challenges in, I mean, everything we do is through the lens of our own experience, right? So for me, I have always recruited for business support and HR roles, which is mostly um, female dominated. I've always led, um, mostly always, I've had a couple of guys in the past, but I've, I've predominantly worked with women. Um, and so my own experience is uh, one of the challenges that I do see is, is the women that I work with, the women that I place, the women I interact with, and particularly younger women, they often, and I've gone through this myself, they often have a lack of confidence. And I think it is a, it's a challenge and I think it is a, a real issue as well. And one that I, I kind of feel quite passionately about, I know myself, when I started working in recruitment, I worked really bloody hard and kind of um, had a very, very, and still do have a strong work ethic. But throughout kind of building my career, I had such a lack of self-belief, um, definitely suffered from imposter syndrome um, and really just kind of 
I guess, wondered whether I was in the right career, the right job. I was an introvert in a really extroverted um, kind of career. And it's only as the years go on um, and, and kind of, I guess, you, you really get to know yourself better and you learn and you grow and kind of go through all of that development that I, I kind of don't feel that anymore. But within everything I've seen within my team, within, as I say, everyone that I've kind of not everyone, it doesn't apply to everyone, but many people I come in contact with, it really seems like women are not backing themselves enough and that there is that imposter syndrome, which feels quite prevalent. So that's just something that, again, I, it's my lens. It's what I've seen through what I've been exposed to, but it's something that is absolutely, it's obvious. Yeah. Okay. So I want to dig a bit deeper in that one <laughs> because uh, imposter syndrome, it's funny because I was only talking about it yesterday with somebody else um, and I'm thinking and it's come up in other podcasts that I listen to mm -hmm. uh, where we're, women running them but talking about this imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So what do you see when people have imposter syndrome? Like what are some of the behaviours? Look, I think what ends up happening is that people don't necessarily put themselves out there. As an example, I we have been doing throughout COVID a number of webinars and I kind of say to my team, okay, who wants to who wants to join me? Who wants to be a, a co-host with me? And rather than me just being the face of it, come along with me. And there's so much hesitation and that comes from, oh, I'm not as good or I don't want to, um, I, I don't kind of want to put myself out there. And it's just a lack of confidence. And I think that it, it will hold people back unless people really, individuals really come at things from a brave and courageous perspective, it can hold you back. I love those words, brave and courageous. Because mm. it's necessary, right? I think if you do feel those feelings, you can kind of remain in the container that you are in or you can keep pushing the comfort zone so that it goes further and further. And that's my own personal experience. I was scared of many things many years ago and even now I kind of I sign up to do something or I say okay I'm going to run this thing and I have all these ideas and I think oh that's a little bit too far outside of my comfort zone but then I have the courage to do it anyway and then your comfort zone expands okay I love that too because I've you know uh, I just think that that magic happens outside the comfort zone and you sometimes you've just got to be brave and say yes and work it out later Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and if you fall over or you make a mistake, and I'm sure, and this isn't, I guess, something that I ask people, but if, you know, when you make a mistake, if, can you think of it, and I'm going to go off, off, off the mm. agenda again, can you think of a mistake you made that you've learned from in that way? You know, kind of jumping in, saying yes and going, whoa, that didn't go as I hoped. Do you know what? I think it, it all comes down to having a growth mindset. And for me, the examples that I'm thinking of are things that do involve kind of, again, as an introvert, putting myself out there. So that might be public speaking. That might be um, kind of running and facilitating roundtables, um, initiating. I, I've started a um, female recruitment agency owner group in Sydney, and we have kind of 15 women and we come together and doing something like that like it was really putting myself out there yeah. but it's it, it when you do things like that it's well received and I think it always comes good so I honestly don't think I do have an example of how it's gone terribly wrong because I think you are rewarded 
when you do act with courage and when you are deciding to put yourself kind of out in the world. It might be terrifying and you yeah. have anxiety and you kind of go, oh my goodness, why do I do this? And this is terrifying. I must be crazy. You put me back in my comfort zone immediately. Um, so there's definitely not all kind of rainbows and sunshine when you do it. But at the other side of it, you go, if you have a growth mindset, that was, that was a learning and now I'm, I'm better and more courageous for it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So um, are we ready to move on to question two? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay. So um, question two is what is your most memorable moment from the workplace? Yeah. So um, look, it's hard. I think anybody who, um, whether you know recruitment or whether you don't, but our our industry is an absolute roller coaster. You can have a month of placing everybody in their dream jobs and it's just the happiest thing in the world. And then you can have a number of things go wrong. Um, we are working with people rather than printers. So they have minds of their own <laughs> and their own opinions and everything. So it, it is a, a bit of a roller coaster. So there's, there's definitely been memorable moments within that. And obviously setting up a business, there's so many milestones. Um, the time you first get to your first month, your first year. So there's been a lot, but the, the main one that comes to mind was the, the first day of opening Lotus People. Um, my best friend, Laura, and I, we had spent so long in preparation, so long in business planning. We actually had initially an investor drop out and leave us high and dry after we'd finished up in our old agency. So there was a lot of heartache, a lot of stress. Um, but sitting there on the first day and kind of saying, okay, we're ready to post the LinkedIn post. We're ready to, to kind of press go on this. We had, my memory of that day is that we had so many different hats on. At one point, Laura was climbing into the server, being our IT person. Um, I'm there on the phone to the accountant, making sure everything's kind of ready to go on that side. We're kind of wearing so many different um, hats within it, but it was a feeling of just, okay, there's no going back now. We're, we're doing this. We're, we're pressing go. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? I think that the um, opening your own agency is the ultimate, your own business is the ultimate in putting yourself out there mm-hmm. and being brave and vulnerable all at once. Oh, absolutely. And it has been that journey. And I honestly have, over the last five years, I've been so lucky in that we have created such a good brand and we're well known, but there are some moments where I think, Oh God, I feel exposed and and you, you are known and people know you. And within that, sometimes you just think, Oh God, that that's a, that's a lot of people to know you. (laughs) Um, But I absolutely agree with you. It's um, it it really is. It's a leap of faith, but it's absolutely rewarding. Leap of faith. I needed to remind myself of that in COVID, but (laughs) yeah. Oh, haven't we all? (laughs) Um, it's interesting because I'm thinking, you know, we've got there's lots of Generation Z and young genera- and Generation Y too. They're very entrepreneurial, right? You will know this from dealing with some of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're very entrepreneurial. They have this desire to, um, yes, have experiences, but also to back themselves and, and generate something for themselves. And so this is, again, it's not a question I've written for you, I've, I've provided you, but have you got, in terms of, starting your own agency or, or your own practice or your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, have you got any advice for people who, does it go back to the backing yourself again or um, did you do some market research? Like how did you decide that that this was a good course of action or a brave course of action? Absolutely. Like it's a really good question and I think 
without wanting to go against everything I've just said. <laughs> you need to be able to back yourself, of course, and be brave and all of that. But there is so much business now that you need to have as well. And I think you need to have a business idea that is operationally um, sound. It's, you, you're pretty confident it's going to work. There's two different kind of entrepreneurs. We were kind of disrupting an industry that existed and we had the model and it was a case of, kind of making placements and building relationships. Whereas if you're creating something, like I always think of Sarah Blakely from Spanx, she's just this amazing entrepreneur who just had this kind of multi-billion dollar idea to create Spanx. And if you ever follow, she is, has an amazing episode on the podcast, How I Built This, about her journey. And she's, she's just spectacular. So there's kind of two different ways to go. And I think there was an element of, I think our way of doing it was a little bit more, free of risk because it relied on our work and our input mm. and we knew that if we worked really really hard that inevitably it, revenue would come and, and the business would would work so I do think that yes you need to back yourself but you also need to have a good business idea and whether that's in a sector you know um, many I've seen um, people, business owners and entrepreneurs speak about this, um, particularly at Business Chicks. They did a, a day event when we could all be in the same room together. And they said, start it as a side hustle. So if you, if you have that passion and you want to do it, start it as a side passion. Keep the day job. Um, you need to be financially secure. You need to be aware of the actual business side of it before just launching off and putting yourself in a position where you might actually be financially um yeah kind of yeah just yeah. not good <laughs> yeah risk yeah exactly yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah good um good advice i i think you know i think there's probably some young listeners who are listening to us going well okay there's Sinead, founder of this fabulous lotus people won some awards you know clearly broken in um d disrupted her industry i want me some of that you know, for example, the, our listeners, I I'd like to do that. I'd like to, you know, be entrepreneurial like that. And I think um, if we can give them some advice about, you know, having a great business idea and you and um, it, it be te it's already kind of tested in the market, but you mm. also mentioned lots of hard work. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What did that look like? I think that and... I guess with kind of our role as a recruiter, you have a bird's eye view of so many businesses. And I think there are two different types of young, ambitious people. And it's so important for, for anyone listening or for anyone kind of thinking about being ambitious and, and really wanting to build their career. One is the person who comes in and, and they, they secure a role as an office junior and they're kind of going, when do I get to be CEO? Like I'm in my performance review. When do I get to be um, kind of uh, on a seat at the executive table? And that's something that businesses find with whether it's millennials, whether it's um, uh, Gen, what are we in now? Gen, Gen Z. Um, and, and also post-millennials they're called. Yep. Yep, exactly. So millennials or post-millennials. Yep. And, and I think, businesses get frustrated with that and, and employers do because they see people wanting to move too quickly and I think that's a really fine line to dance because it's essential that you do learn it's essential that you do yeah. in a business kind of have a good attitude show show that you have hard work and 
um, kind of work your way up that way. But then on the flip side, as, as I've done it, I didn't have a huge amount of experience in my last agency, kind of four or four and a half years um, doing it that way. Got an airplane flying overhead. One of the few, one, one of my one or two airplanes a day. <laughs> um, we can hear it. Um, so, so then there's the other way where you can, um, as I say, kind of just go and say, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I know it's going to be hard work, but if that's the way you choose to go, you absolutely need to have support. And that comes in the form of a mentor, whether it's shareholders, investors, um, there's, you, you can't do it on your own. I couldn't have done it on my own. So whether that's a business partner, no, no, it will look different. Um, it will look very different to everyone. But it, it isn't just a, this is me, off I go. Even if you are a one-man band and you decide you want to set up your own business, you will still want a community of people around you going through similar things. And that's been absolutely the key to my success is that I've surrounded myself with people who I learn from constantly. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Thank you very much. So question number three, what have you learned about employer expectations um, at work, and this might be when you were an employee or even the um, client, perhaps the overview of clients that yeah. you work with, what are their expectations and how do they, you know, how do you manage them? Yeah, um, and look, I do think I kind of just touched on it before, but I do think uh, that I, we have a lot of exposure into different businesses. We recruit across tech, across education, universities, um, so many different sectors, finance. Um, so we do see lots of different environments, but there really is the theme and the theme that businesses and employers look for and the expectations that they have is, is around soft skills. And it comes down to, as I touched on before, just that accountability, proactivity showing up um, I think that attitude fundamentally ha showing up and having a good attitude is is the secret to success and it doesn't need to be that you work 12 14 hour days I've never worked in an environment like that um, my business isn't that kind of environment but we have very high standards of working and I expect everyone to have a very very good attitude and that's something that if I and I have this conversation weekly if I say to a business and somebody who's hiring I have somebody who ticks all the boxes of everything you want in terms of skills the industry they've come from or I have someone who doesn't really have any of that they're fairly green fairly new to the market but they are so committed they're so passionate about this business which one would you rather and I guarantee you 95% of the time they'll opt for the person without the experience and I think it's good to share that because many people almost opt out of putting themselves forward for things by saying, oh, well, I've never had experience working in that sector or I've never had experience in that kind of role. And sometimes, of course, it is important. But at the end of the day, if you show up every day and have the best attitude, um, especially because we do a lot of temp work, we yeah. see a lot of people go in on a short-term basis. And every single one of those people who are taken on on a permanent basis promoted through the ranks are the people who just show up and want to be there so that is really one of the most important things that I think anyone can do when they're thinking about that employer employee relationship and the expectations around it it's really interesting isn't it because so much emphasis has always been put on technical skills mm -hmm. um, and actually what sticks what's the glue that the glue that sticks is the soft skills mm -hmm. so it's interesting how the world 
in some respects is changed as we turn and turn around the sun, it changes a little bit because, you know, soft skills is often of often in some industries and certainly you're in you're recruiting in the lovely area of HR. So most HR people go and I might be generalizing, but lots of HR people become HR people because they value those soft skills. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they're probably quite you know reasonably gifted in that in that kind of or talented or skilled in that area um but so many um industries uh get stuck in the whole we need technical ability um mm-hmm. and what we find is you know the old the old saying people join organizations and leave managers and why do they leave managers because they don't have soft skills Yep, exactly right. And I think as you said there about it being the glue, it's a really nice way of putting it. And that is is what it is. And I think it would be remiss to to assume that if a really um, successful tech company were looking for a software engineer, they'd hire someone with no experience because they were a great guy. Like, obviously, that's not the case. There is fundamentally in some roles, in most roles, um, the the skills that are required. Exactly. Even within that, there's still that need for the attitude and the culture piece. And the culture is just the word that's thrown around so much, but the culture piece needs to be there as well. Yeah. It seems it's so it seems like it's even I mean, I'm a bit of a culture fan. I mean, that's what I do, right? But um, I know that in talking to interviewing all of the guests in 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 the podcast so far, um, that culture it just it seems to be an underlying theme. For no matter what, no matter who I'm interviewing, um, uh, if it's if we're talking about the workplace, culture seems to be workplace culture seems to be a general theme of you need to have a great culture. You need to young people are looking for culture, a culture they want to be a part of, where they can be passionate and be purposeful, mm-hmm. uh, and that will help them to be more loyal and a, and a, and a, and I guess a culture where. Um, some of their their abilities are identified and valued. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I don't know if you've got any comment on cult, workplace culture. Is it a, is it something that you you really look for when you're getting new clients or when you're building relationships with clients? Absolutely. Look, I, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head, and it's changed so much. I think the baby boomer generation were grateful to have work and to have tenure of twenty, thirty years, and get the clock on retirement and all of that. Like that, that was the the way of the world. And millennials came in, and um, and I would be in the millennial millennial category. But millennials came in, and and everything became about purpose and culture, and it's actually shifted from being a nice to have which it, it really was kind of even I don't know maybe five to ten years ago it's shifted from being a nice to have to an absolute expectation and then you look at Gen Z's and Gen Z's kind of where's the where's the pool table where's the remote working where's the um, they they just can't fathom the idea of not having a, an amazing culture in a business and I know from a recruiting perspective recruiting for hundreds of businesses across all sectors that there's a very small kind of percentage of businesses who don't prioritize their people experience and many businesses even have dedicated people experience managers who aren't HR professionals they are people responsible for the experience of the people within the business I ran a um, webinar with the team about um, about a month ago and we had um, one of the execs from Canva join us and his title is head of vibe so he is vibe 
for Vibe for Canva. And I just thought that's one of the better titles I've ever seen. <laughs> Head of Vibe. Head of Vibe. That, wow. That's, I mean, I know because of COVID and the bushfires and everything, the government, the New South Wales government has introduced the, what is it, the Chief Resilience Officer, yeah. um, So, which is fab- absolutely fabulous. We need one nationally. Yeah. Um, but the Head of Vibe. Head of vibe. So many businesses. And again, I think we, we often do look to tech because they are probably the most progressive. And I do notice that many industries do then follow suit. But I think the whole Silicon Valley disruption, the Facebooks, the Uber, the, the Googles, that way of working where they've created kind of a, you want to be here, you want to be in this space. It doesn't necessarily feel like work. And that's all obviously very um, manipulated is the wrong word, but it's all curated. It's all, it's all done. It's very, very carefully considered. And that has filtered over the years. That's filtered through to most other industries as well. Um, So there is the expectation of, of employees um, kind of wanting an element of that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Difficult for traditional employers to deliver some of that, right? Mm-hmm. It could be really yeah. difficult if you think about, you know, you're probably easier if you're a younger employer, but difficult for um, Gen-, Gen X and baby boomer business operators if we even just think about, SM- you know, SMEs, mm-hmm. um, uh, mum and dad operations who are em- trying to employ young people you know they might have a you know a pub or a cafe or a whatever mm-hmm. um wow <laughs> i just think to get their head around that absolutely and look i think tech is completely one extreme and i i obviously look at it myself through an sme small business lens and i think in that instance it doesn't need to be all of the bells and whistles but it is about the employee experience and i think smes have the ability to invest in their people and that might be time it doesn't need to be that it is um costly or that they have to have to go and renovate the whole office or anything like that but it is about being aware that anyone they hire um who is of a certain generation millennial post-millennial um they will want there to be a tight-knit culture and in small businesses that could be as simple as having a family feel just having a nice place to work where you are um, rewarded and, and you feel kind of there's positive reinforcement and that can be as simple as that. Yeah, it's a, that goes back to that word you used, community. Yep. Like that community Please. and in a small business sense. Exactly, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so we can't, we've kind of touched on question four, which is what do you see as the critical skills that our young people need to build for the future of work? You know, if I go back to um, some of the things You've already said around soft skills, accountability, being proactive, showing up, having a good attitude, being committed and passionate. I mean, you already have said that. So while while you're saying that, I mean, oh, this is actually probably some of the critical skills. Is there anything else? Yes. Post my summary. (laughs) There definitely is. (laughs) I'm in this every day. I could... Uh, I could have a a long list for you. Um, Look, I think the one thing to note is that the future of work is in given the environment that we're in kind of this pandemic and post COVID and returning to work, the future of work could be next month. It could be six months. It could be 12 months. It's now where we kind of thought of the future of work as the next two to five years. <laughs> exactly. If I ask a Gen Z what they, where they want to be in five years, it's, it's, it's not a question you should ask anymore. Yeah. Like, who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah, anyway, exactly. 
and it's changed. No, you're exactly right. And it's, it's changed so much. So that is kind of the future. And we, we did a, um, uh, we hosted a webinar about the future of work with somebody from Seek, an exec from Seek and an exec from Facebook. And we kind of nutted this out a lot. But I personally think that the biggest skill that will be required is relationship building. I think that no matter what happens with automation, and we know AI is, is becoming kind of more and more prevalent. It's not just something that kind of techie people understand that it's, it's everywhere now. It's all over our industry. Um, I think that particularly in what we do in recruitment, a lot of what our process is will be automated and we will be getting our consultants out from behind a desk and actually out meeting with people at the moment. It's a good mix. You spend a lot of time you go meet people, you have a job, you then go to your desk and you, you look through CVs and there's a lot of time spent kind of on desk. Mm. But I think across all industries, relationship building is just going to be the crucial thing. We're going to be so tech focused. And I think COVID has shown that as well as we all kind of go inside for, for three months or so. The thing we miss is the, the social interaction. The thing we're struggling with is the social isolation. So within a work context, building strong connections um, and respectful relationships with the people that you work with can get you very, very far. And I've always had very good relationships with the people that I work with and your life is just made, made easier. So I do think that as a skill, being egoic or self-focused or um, really thinking about just how do I get ahead and doesn't really matter who I let down around me like that just that's not going to work for how we will operate in in the future yeah it's interesting isn't it because those sorts of skills come naturally to some people but not to others mm-hmm. yep so it's kind of like we have to start talking to those people about how they can do that don't we yep. so that they're not left behind absolutely it's a really really good point and I think for people particularly emerging into the workforce now that that generation are so used to phones and technology and and texting and kind of having their head in in phones and I've heard um, kind of business owners and 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 executives say we struggle because they don't want to be on the phone they don't want to be in face-to-face meetings they they're better off hiding behind email but as an area for development and it is it is an area that can be developed whether you're an introvert an extrovert it doesn't matter where you sit on the scale of how much you love social interaction or how much anxiety it might give you it doesn't really matter it can be developed it goes back to what we said earlier about the comfort zone and and pushing yourself out of the comfort zone but if there was a thing to focus on that would be the thing that I think no matter where the future of tech goes or the future of how we all work, inevitably we're all going to be humans who need to work together. So getting that bit right is is very important. Brilliant. You're talking my language. Mm. Excellent. Okay, fabulous. <laughs> so, no, it's really great because, you know, no matter, you know, it's our humanness that is going to be the difference between us and AI, you know, fundamentally Mm -hmm. they haven't yet created ai that can um yet empathize you know and have that whole human connection and relationship building Mm -hmm. i said yet yep (laughs) whilst it's a yet we need to really really build that skill yeah i agree so um excellent thank you and so lucky last final question um, what's your best advice for young people and in particular young women um, entering the workplace? 
Mm. I, I touched on this at the beginning in saying that I've spent a lot of time working with women in my career, and it is something that I feel very passionately about. Um, I've done a bit of work with uh, Sydney Uni and their uh, Business and Economics Society for Women um, and I've kind of been on panels with them and and kind of I've also been involved with a couple of young leader emerging young leader programs as well so it is something that I care a lot about and particularly with the experience I mentioned before and, and what I've seen and what I've experienced myself over the years um, Cheryl Sandberg, who is the COO of Facebook, she has a book called Lean In. And I just think it is crucial reading for any, anyone, any, any women, I mean, men as well, because they, they obviously need to be a part of the conversation too. But it's a, a fantastic book. And I think it really highlights the importance of women just taking, young women taking a seat at the table and showing up and not holding themselves back because they feel like they're not equipped or they're not ready or they won't go for that promotion because they're not quite there yet. There's a, a huge study that was done by, I think it was Hewlett Packard that says that in order to apply for a role, a woman will hit, will, will wait until she hits 100% of the criteria, whereas a man will apply for the same role once he hits 60% of the criteria. And that stat, it just sums it all up to me. It, it really does. Um, so I think in terms of the advice, I think it really is just that piece of have confidence in yourself and, and back yourself. Self-belief, right? Yep, exactly right. And it is easy to say that. However, we all get trapped in negative self-talk. And I think the way to do that is to build a community around you. Find like-minded people, find sponsors in your organization who, who back you, find mentors outside of your organization, find communities. There's so many communities out there, business chicks and um, whatever industry you might be in, there'll be industry associations, but just putting yourself out there to find a network of people who will have your back and, and lift you up and build you up and believe in you will then in turn reinforce that self-belief in yourself. So that's, yeah, that's the main one. Okay. So can you tell me, you mentioned a couple of associations who mm. have been the key associations that you're a part communities that you're a part of that have had an impact in mm -hmm. that way on you? Yep. So when I, um, a few years after I started Lotus, I decided to join the, I mean, this one's very specific to me, but the Irish Australian Chamber of Commerce. Um, they ran a female leadership program that I was actually um, in the pilot group. So they'd never done it before. It was a round table that meant that met monthly and we all had to kind of share ideas, peer to peer mentoring, essentially. Yep. Yep. But I was petrified going into that group. I thought, these are all amazing experienced women. So young, I don't know what I'm doing here. And it, I was terrified. And over the course of a year, just having that forum and people who just constantly prop you up and, and kind of give you positive feedback and give you different perspectives. And it's not always positive. They give you different ideas and different ways to look at things. It just, a year later, I, I was then creating a similar group for my industry and being the person who was moderating that group and so that was really crucial for yeah. for me and just building that confidence yeah. also business chicks they are huge however despite the fact that they're really big they do a lot around getting and even in covid they've done a lot of webinars and small kind of virtual meetups but they do a lot about getting people together and they also had a similar um, they've since disbanded it but they had a similar uh, round table 
group for business owners and I joined that and we have continued after they disbanded the group we have continued meeting and that's been really helpful as well so that that's what's worked really well for me um and of course within my industry as well working so would you recommend you know because young people young women you know in their early 20s for example fresh into the reasonably fresh into the workplace Mm -hmm. um would you recommend them finding those sorts of communities just to, because you can get busy in your job yeah. um, and you've still got a good social set. So, you know, you might still have your friends around you from university or from school or whatever, and it might sound, might feel really intimidating for young women to kind of sign up to a network of women. Yeah who feels like, you know, this is my mum, this is my mum's age group. How did, you know, was that what it was like? Yeah, look, I I think you're exactly right. I think from my own perspective, because I had a business, um, it it kind of, despite the age, it it kind of made sense to be there. And um, although I know so many people of all ages that are part of the Business Chick events, Um, But with that in mind, I think it doesn't need to be that formal. If, for example, you're in HR, join the HR Institute. If, for example, you're in um, the legal sector, I know that the Law Society have a young membership program. And so seek out what is of interest. There's absolutely no point in signing up for a corporate membership body that you have pay a membership fee of a couple of hundred dollars for a year and you don't do anything with it. You're far, far better off going out and seeking a a smaller group of people who have similar interests and um, I guess, yeah, just people who are kind of, whether it's business, whether it's personal, just finding people who are your people and then they, they support you. It doesn't matter if they even aren't necessarily sure of exactly what it is you do. It's just more about putting yourself out there. And there's so many ways of doing that. You can do it online. You can do it um, in, as I say, through associations, but there's, there's plenty of ways of um, expanding your networks and and doing finding your people yeah so just be brave yep all ties in (laughs) yeah excellent well Sinead we're done thank you so much for um, spending time with us today me today um, and sharing your workplace experiences and your um, I guess you some of your journey as uh, a business owner founder and leader at uh, Lotus People Congratulations on your awards and congratulations on building so quickly, really, um, you know, some of the a, a business that um, is, is seen by others and appreciated by others is a really um, great organisation and really sticking to your, those, that vision of building a culture where um, everybody's got passion and purpose, I guess. Um, so thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure and, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully, some useful info in there. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. I personally am excited by our younger generation. They have a view of the world that's entrepreneurial, that's culture-focused. They want passion and purpose. And doing interviews like this help me um, be even more excited and have more hope for what the future holds for them and for all of us. I would like to extend my grateful thanks to Sinead for taking the time out of her very busy day to speak with me and be my guest on our Dare to Care podcast. Whether you are a young woman who has already entered the workplace or are preparing to, or as an employer of women, 
or even as a parent of a young woman, we can be excited and look forward to what the future holds. And I think an important takeaway for me is to make sure I'm positive about the future and I'm encouraging and I'm approachable and I keep conversations going with our young people about what are their expectations from the workplace, what would they like to see, what is important to them, um, and even if they don't have the answers to that, just start getting them thinking about those things. If you'd like more information um, from Sinead or all about Lotus people, uh, we will put that. I will put that information in our show notes. Uh, finally, if you have enjoyed today's episode, please give our Dare to Care podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. We love comments. Um, and let us know how we've gone. You can also find us on Spotify. Um, and we are now live, so you can now live stream all of our episodes from our website at dare to care with a T-O, dare to T-O care.com.au forward slash podcast. Uh, and if you've got any uh, comments or you'd like to give us any feedback, you can either do that by visiting our website um, through the contact us button um, at, at daretocare.com.au or you can contact us via Facebook. We have our own podcast Facebook page. You can find us, us at Dare2 with a number two, Dare2Care podcast and either leave a comment or private message us. We love and truly appreciate your feedback. Thank you for listening. I'm Susan Judd. And until our next episode, how are you going to dare to care? Thank you for listening to the Dare to Care podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or find out more about HR Culture and Dare to Care by going to hrculture.com.au. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 